Amen. All right, Joel 2, 28-29, God's Word says this, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. It says, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, even on the male and female servants. In those days I will pour out my Spirit. This is... The word of the Lord. Uh, The ministry of Jesus turned the world upside down. Before Jesus came, anticipation filled the hearts of the Jewish community. They waited expectantly for the Messiah to come, and he did. In unassuming fashion, the majesty of God, clothed in, in humble human flesh, largely despised and rejected by his own people, Uh, But God was not caught off guard as Jesus, in humility, turned the world upside down in his loving mission to do this, to reconcile the downcast, the poor, the brokenhearted, sinful rebels like you and like me. The vision of the kingdom of God began to emerge. After Jesus was raised from the dead, he explained, it says in Luke 24, uh, verse 27, he explained how all the Old Testament pointed to him. And yet, nearing the time when when he would depart and ascend uh, to the heavenly places, the disciples were still perplexed at when, they asked this question, when will the kingdom be restored to Israel? Jesus, in his compassionate way, asked them to wait. He says, the revealer is coming. The spirit is coming. He would pour himself out upon them that they may begin to understand and carry out and expand the true kingdom of God on earth. God's story is is a better story than anything we can imagine. It's bigger than, than one nation, for it comes about through one people that the glory of God may be revealed to many people. Misperception filled the hearts and minds of the, of the disciples, and oftentimes it does with us also. So what does the Spirit do? This is our question for this morning. He does this. He brings about the redemptive, upside-down kingdom of God into all of creation. This is what the pouring out of, of the Spirit, as foretold in Joel, pointed to. We are now in that time, okay? We are, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make maybe a startling statement to you. We are in the last days. And here, here's the truth of the matter. We have been in the last days since the ascension of Jesus. When the Spirit of God is at work transforming the hearts of women and Men, uh, theologian Michael Horton says this, he says, to the spirit particularly is attributed the dignity of transforming created space, we could say just kind of ordinary space, into a covenantal place. What does that mean? A home for communion, okay, a bringing together between creator, notice that is capitalized, so that's God, between creator God and creatures. Who are the creatures that God is reconciling? People, human beings, his image bearers in creation. And he says, extending to the ends of the earth, I love this language, in waves of kingdom labor. This statement, as grand as it seems, encompasses the heart of the work that the Spirit carries out. What does this Holy Spirit do, we ask? We're going to look at at four aspects of the Holy Spirit's work. 
I drew some of these thoughts from a, a theologian, Wayne Grudem, in his book, Systematic Theology. I think he summarizes the work of the, of the Spirit in a, in a very clear and concise way. And the first one that we look at is this. The Holy Spirit cleanses. The Holy Spirit cleanses. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit cleanses. When the Spirit of God comes upon a person, there's a point of change. Something has happened. A purification, a cleansing. What does that look like? It's a realization of sin and a departure from our old ways. It doesn't mean that we're without sin, but there's a realization of this, of the deep, of a deep need for the power of God, the work of Jesus, and also this, a desire for the presence of His Spirit in our lives. It's a change of our old sin nature. It's a departure from our old sin nature, whereby the Spirit of God gives us this. He gives us a new nature. We are, Paul would call us, a new creation in Christ. So what we mean when we say the Holy Spirit cleanses us, He makes us new again. Uh, One of my favorite chapters in Scripture is Romans 8, especially verse 1. We'll read 1 to 4. Paul says this, There is therefore now, hear this, this is good news. If you are in Christ, this is good news. There is therefore now, No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Why? It says, for the law of the, here's the word, spirit of life has set you free, has cleansed you, has purified you of your sin in Christ Jesus. From what? From the law of sin and death. The penalty of sin is death. The spirit of life has set us free from that. For God has done, that is through Jesus, what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order, this is what happened, this is what Jesus accomplished on the cross in His perfect life, death, and His resurrection, in order that the the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. That's the gift that He gives to us, His righteousness, who walk not according to the flesh, but according According to what? The Spirit. The Spirit of God. The, the beauty of the Spirit of God dwelling within us is not only an initial purification, we're, we're washed as white as snow, freedom from sin and death, but also this, an ongoing cleansing, an ongoing growth in Christ's likeness. The, the word we use for this is, we're going to use a, a Bible word here. We call this sanctification. Would you say that with me, church? Good job. Sanctification, it it means that the the Spirit continues to do this. He continues to purify us and cleanse us, to convict us and bring awareness of sin in our lives and grows us in this. This is what sanctification means. It's a growth in holiness. It's a growth in Christ-likeness. Simply put, our lives should look more and more like our Savior, Jesus. That's what sanctification means. Paul summarizes the work of the Spirit in this way in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. He says, and such were some of you. Let me pause there. What's he talking about? Just before this, he's given this long list of what we would call vices or sin. 
things that we were stuck in before we were cleansed by the work of the Spirit. He says this now, but you were washed. You get that, that language of purification, of cleansing, but you were washed. Here's our word. You were sanctified. You were justified. What does that mean? You were declared not guilty in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's, here it is again, and by the Spirit of our God. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit cleanses us. He purifies us. Family, the the Spirit of God lives within you so that you don't have to succumb. You don't have to fail in your sin nature any longer. You are empowered by the Spirit of God who brings awareness of our fallen condition, and He does this. He doesn't leave us there. He guides us into a life of holiness. That's why John the Baptist would call a baptism by the Spirit, a baptism by fire. We get this imagery of of a refining fire, right? Fire refines things, purifies us, purifies our lives for for the coming day of the Lord. Uh, About eight, nine years ago, uh, we had a we had a really, really old dog. Dog was my wife and I had bought this dog right after we got married. It was older than our kids, and she was, she was a large breed dog. She was kind of getting, we knew she was within the last probably few years of her life, and so we started a, a search for another dog so that our kids wouldn't be too devastated when she, our, our old dog passed on. And so we started looking at uh, the animal shelters, the local animal shelters. I really wanted like a yellow lab. Those are hard to find in an animal shelter. I came across this, this lab so we thought, ends up being mixed with something at some point. We know this now. And so we adopted uh, this yellow lab. We, we named her Chloe. Uh, some of you saw some pictures I put up on Facebook this last week. We went out to Red River Gorge. Chloe went out there with us, and she was kind of sitting there beside me in one, in one of the pictures. So we rescued Chloe from uh, this animal shelter, from, from the dog pound. That's what we used to call it, right? Okay? And, and she came out of there... And when we first got her, I mean, she's, she had been in the pound for a few days. She didn't smell good. What did we do when we got her home? We gave her a bath. We cleaned her up. We cleansed her. We went and bought a new collar and put it on her, right? We adopted her into our family. In a sense, she took our name. She, was, she became kind of one of our kids, and yet, even though she had that initial cleaning, the, the first time we opened up the door in the front, okay, she was born to run. And she took off running. What did we do? Did we just let her run away? No, the whole family went out and we called her back. Okay, and she got into some stuff. She got into some dirt. What did we do? We brought her back in and we cleaned her up again. And we trained her. And we helped her to grow. And now, what was beautiful, this last week, we t- we've had her for eight or nine years now. We, like I said, we went out hiking, did Red River Gorge, and we're out there walking on the pathways, and I began to take her lead and unclip it every once in a while and hold it in my hands, and she would stay right there, right next to me. And every once in a while, she'd jump off the path. What do we do? Call her back in again. This is what the Spirit does for us. When he adopted us in, he cleansed us. He gave us a bath. And even though at times we ran away, we wanted to go towards our old ways. He calls us back again. And when we got in the mud, he cleans us up again. 
And He trains us and He refines us. And we're changed. That dog that we have, has, she's changed. She's not the same as what she used to be. She's changed into something better. Number two, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit connects. The Holy Spirit connects us. We're talking about the church now. The Holy Spirit does this. This is amazing. This is why I'm just amazed that every time I gather with the church, the Holy Spirit does this. It brings together, He brings together people who would otherwise not associate with one another. The church should be this. It should represent the diversity of the community in which which it exists. Young and old, rich and poor, blue collar and white collar, male and female. Going back to our passage again, Joel 2, 28 to 29. I want you to notice a few things. Like this passage to us and over the, the four weeks throughout this sermon series, it's like a diamond. You just turn it different ways and there's just different kind of things that you can look at in different areas of beauty. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call your attention to something here. It says, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit, it says, on all flesh. Then notice these different categories. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Hear this now. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even Hear this group that the Spirit's bringing together. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. A diverse group of people, right? Young and old servants brought together through what? Through the pouring out of the Spirit. Connecting people together. We should see a unification of God's people through a common thread. What's the common thread that brings us all together? It's the gospel. Where does our understanding of the gospel come from? Through the power of the Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. It was beautiful on, uh, when did we go to Huber's? Friday night? Okay. Friday night, we went up, we did a, a church kind of family outing up at uh, Huber's, which is up in Indiana. Many of you were there. Man, I think we had 170 some odd people up there uh, sharing a meal together. And you look around that room, young, old, little babies, okay, older, more mature folks, uh, different uh, ethnicities, different uh, economic backgrounds, different faith backgrounds, all coming together under one roof, sharing a meal together. It was beautiful. A beautiful time together. That's what the church should look like. And it's the reason, this, the connection of the Holy Spirit also uh, is the reason why the body of Christ all throughout the globe can minister together. We're connected to, to other churches that hold to a biblical understanding of the gospel. We're connected to Little Flock Baptist Church up the road here. We're connected to Eastern Gate. We're connected to Journey Christian. We're connected to Southeast Christian. We're connected to so many different churches all throughout our area. Why? Because we all have the same spirit within us. And we can minister along, uh, other, alongside other Christians from other churches here, right here in Shepherdsville. It's the reason why uh, North Bullet Christian Church partners with Mercy Hill Baptist Church and Mark 12 Ministries to provide a warming shelter for the homeless in the winter. Because we can partner together. Why? Because we have the same Spirit of God within us. 
We are the, the united body of Christ. We can, we can partner with, with Christian churches all around the globe. I've been talking with a pastor in the African country of Malawi that we've been connected with. His name is Pastor Elton. And Pastor Elton is, is a powerful witness for the, for the power of the Spirit in his life because he's blind. In, in one of the most poorest countries in the world, the man is a faithful servant of God, and he goes out and he preaches the gospel. He sent me videos a couple weeks ago of them marching through the streets to go to this nasty, mucky watering hole to baptize people, and the joy and celebration. And I can sit here and look on my phone and watch that video and tear up a little bit and cry and, and celebrate. Why? Because we're unified through what? We're connected through what? The same Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. And there in that man's village, there's a, there's a movement of the Spirit. So much so, I, uh, a few weeks ago, he, he sent me a, a voice message and he said, I need Bibles. God's saving people, but they don't have Bibles. They need the Word of God. And so we're working to try to get Bibles to this man and to these people that are coming into his church. Why do we celebrate that? Because the same Spirit connects us together. The same Spirit connects a, a pastor in Shepherdsville, Kentucky with a blind pastor in a small village in Malawi. Isn't that amazing? Only God could do that. Paul says this in Ephesians 4. He says, there is one body and one Spirit just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. The church family should not only look like you look, and this will, here's the truth of the matter, this will be uncomfortable. You're going you're gonna to be in a room at times, unified with people, and maybe you don't agree with the way that they uh, are rearing and disciplining their children, because you do it a different way. At times, uh, we, we're, we're in a room, and, and kids are running around crazy, and it's like, oh, it's annoying. It's hard but we're connected, we're unified through what? Through one Spirit. And it's why God gets all the glory, because it makes no sense that we would gather together. Young and old. Unfortunately, I hear, I hear some, some of our younger folks come into this church, and, and they look around and they say, oh, there's, there's really nothing here for me, because a lot of the people here are a little bit more mature but God should bring together, the Spirit of God should bring together young and old. That's something that we have to press into as a church. That we're drawing the young in our community in and we're loving them people through the power of the gospel to help them grow in Christ's likeness, to grow in holiness, to learn from one another. And that only happens through the power of the Spirit. Number three, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit communicates. I called him earlier, I called him a revealer. Look what happens when the Spirit is poured out in Joel's prophecy. We're just going to part of verse 28. Your sons and your daughters shall what? Do what? Prophesy. Speak the word of truth. How did that happen? Because the Spirit was poured out. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see 
visions. The Spirit of God communicates. He's a revealer. And this has occurred primarily through this. I I beat this drum all the time through the Spirit-inspired words of the Bible. Through the Scripture. Human authors wrote the Word of God under the inspiration and power of God's Spirit. God's Holy Spirit communicates to us. 2 Peter 1.21 says this, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Hear this now. But men spoke from God. Here's the important part. As they were what? Carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is from God the Spirit. Moreover, he, he, he not only communicates through the Scriptures, but also in making His presence known in our lives. I think many of you can, can attest to this. this. This can happen when we are, we are in the pit of despair, and yet peace can overwhelm us. He communicates His presence through gifts of service that He imparts to each believer for the mutual upbuilding of the church. We got to see this beautiful gift that my brother Greg has over here that our drummer is absent this weekend. He can jump from playing guitar and singing and leading us in worship to coming back and leading from the jump. That's, that's a gifting from the Holy Spirit that he has. I've experienced this in my own life. I vowed when I got into ministry 12 years ago, my lead pastor at my last church came to me and he brought me into a, a position of ad, church administration. I want you to, to manage the church for me. And I said, I'll, I'll come on staff. They, I, they gave me the title administrative pastor. I said, I'll come on staff, but I'm going to tell you what, I will never preach. Don't ever ask me <laughs> to get into the pulpit. Here I am. The Spirit of God. We feel He communicates when we feel His presence when we gather together. This is the importance of gathering in person. I'm thankful for technology that we are able to get through a time of COVID where we had to, to lock down for a season, but it doesn't replace the gathering of the body of Christ. The presence of God is in this room when His people gather together. The Spirit of God creates an aroma of calm in times of distress. We've spent many a Sunday praying over a brother or a sister in distress or worried about a medical condition or a medical test that they have coming up or maybe a cancer diagnosis that they're facing. And people, men and women from this church, will come together under the power of the Spirit and will lay hands on them and we will pray. And there's just this over, even as tears flow, just an overwhelming sense of His presence and calm, Right? Only the Spirit of God can do that. And finally, He communicates by bringing understanding of His Word and promises to bring this Word. He promised this to the disciples. Jesus promised this to the disciples that the Spirit of God would bring to remembrance 
his words in times of need. Have you ever been there talking to somebody about Jesus, talking to somebody about the gospel, and you're shaking in your boots, you're scared out of your mind that you're going to just say something, let's be honest, stupid, right? And you get going, and you're talking, and you walk away, and you're like, where did that come from? The Spirit of God brings to remembrance His words. Lastly, what does the, the Holy Spirit do? Number four, the Holy Spirit commissions. He empowers us. He commissions us. My hope and prayer for, for North Bullet Christian Church is that we are a church that becomes more and more passionate about what we call in Scripture the Great Commission. And, and we, we're not just passionate about it while we sit here and talk about it, but we're passionate about it by actively carrying out the Great Commission uh, right here in our community. We don't, we don't just keep this gift to ourselves. We tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus says this in Acts 1.8. Right before he ascends to heaven, he he gives this promise to the disciples. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Hear this. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. And then it goes out in circles in Jerusalem. So that immediate area and in Judea, a little bit further out and Samaria and to the ends of the earth family. We are called to be witnesses of Jesus, the power of the gospel in Shepherdsville and Bullock County and Jefferson County and Kentucky and the United States and all around the globe. The spirit of God has empowered us and commissioned us. Jesus commissioned his disciples and he's commissioned us to be witnesses of his powers. What does the gospel mean? What does that word mean? Good news. Who keeps good news to themselves, right? Who keeps it to themselves? About a little over 20 years ago, my wife and I got engaged. At that time, we're, we're living in Southern California. There was a, a mountain range right by us, massive mountain range, 8,000 feet elevation. And, and at the top of that mountain range was this beautiful uh, lake. It was called Lake Arrowhead. And right on Lake Arrowhead, there's this uh, shopping mall with restaurants and kind of a, just a cute little shopping area. It's, it looks like a European village right there uh, on the lakeside. Beautiful, beautiful area. I had bought my wife an engagement ring a few months prior. And it was, you guys know, I don't like surprises and I don't like to wait to give gifts, man. It was just eating me up. I had this thing sitting in my nightstand drawer and I wanted to give it to her so bad. And, and we drove up on, on a Saturday evening to Lake Arrowhead and we walked around in there and, and I grabbed her arm and I got down on my knee and I asked her to marry me. And I slipped the ring on her finger and she gave me a hug. I could feel her when when she gave me a hug, she kind of did one of these back there. <laughs> That's good news, right? When you get engaged. Saturday night, the next morning, man, we, were, we grew up in church together. We were so eager. We got to our little church, and we walked in, and, and my future bride is just glowing, and she's got the ring on. And what does she do? Right? Good news. Look what happened last night. I got, I got engaged. We're getting married. You, did she keep that information secret? No. 
told everybody in the church. You don't keep good news to yourself. Jesus has called us to share the good news, to be his witnesses. And so often we sit in here and we say, amen, amen, amen. And then we walk out and then we pull that good news right back into us and we don't say a word about it. The Spirit of God has commissioned you to be witnesses right here and a little further out and a little further out and a little further out. I want to end with this beautiful example of Stephen in Acts chapter 6. I'm, I'm skipping around in here because the story's really long. It's two chapters long in Acts. So I'm going to fill in some of the holes for you. Stephen uh, was kind of the first deacon in the church. Okay? He, he, was, he was called to be a deacon. The apostles, so the disciples, they're, they're called apostles now at this point. They're leading the church, and they were neglecting the needs of some of the widows in within the church. And so they knew that their, their first priority was prayer and preaching and teaching the word. And so they called deacons, the first deacons to, to serve and wait tables and to help in the church. And Stephen was one of these first deacons that says this in, in verse uh, five, I believe the last part of verse five, and they, so that's the apostles chose Stephen. Why? Because he was a man full of faith. Notice this now. And of what? And of the Holy Spirit. And this is awesome about Stephen. Okay, Stephen's just supposed to be kind of the, you know, help giving food out to people, clean up the tables, help the apostles stay focused on their work of prayer and teaching. But Stephen was so full of the Holy Spirit. He was so full of the gospel and the good news about Jesus. He was going out and he's teaching and he's preaching. And, it, and the word of God says that he was doing marvelous wonders because he was being obedient to the spirit within. And this is what happens in, in Acts chapter 7. The local leaders start to take notice and they're not a huge fan of this man, Stephen. They seized Stephen and then Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, preaches just this powerful, convicting sermon by the power of the Spirit. And then it says this in, in 7, 54 and 55. It says, now when they, now the they here is not the apostles, now it's the Jewish council. He's kind of standing trial in front of this Jewish, Jewish council. He's preaching in a way, if you read that passage, man, he's kind of letting them have it a little bit too. He's preaching with conviction and power. It says, now when they heard these things, they were enraged. They didn't receive them well. And they ground their teeth at him. The ending to that story is that he was stoned. He was the first Christian martyr. But notice what it says about him now. This is what the Holy Spirit does. It says, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, because of the Spirit of God within him, gazed into heaven as they're throwing stones at him, as they're grinding their teeth at him, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That's what the Spirit of God does for you. He should be writhing in pain, and yet he looks up into the heavens and he sees the majesty and the glory of God because he's full of the Holy Spirit. 
I conclude with this story because I hope to spur you on to walk in step with the Spirit as Stephen did. Because the truth of the matter is is that the Spirit, the same Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same Spirit that empowered Stephen to preach with conviction is at work in our lives. His his blessing upon us and His sanctification of our lives occurs in in conjunction to our obedience, our, our response to Him. So are you, family, here's the question, are you going to respond as Stephen did? Be commissioned, be obedient to the power of the Spirit within. Preach with boldness, speak the truth in boldness, tell the good news in boldness, no matter what the cost. And as people press back against you, you have this, as Paul promised, this peace that surpasses all understanding, that you're able to gaze into the heavens and see the majesty and the glory of God at work because you've been obedient to his word and you've been obedient to the power of the spirit. Amen.